to the Stranger Times podcast. I'm author CK slash Queeve McDonald, and yes, thanks for asking. This charming man, book two of the Stranger Times series, is indeed out on February the 17th, 2022, and is now available for pre-order in hardback, Kindle, and audiobook formats. Any other questions? No? Excellent. Let's crack on. Uh, this is episode two of series two of the Stranger Times podcast, because for some reason I made the Christmas special episode uh, with Jason Manford, episode one, whereas the Halloween special with Eddie Brimson wasn't in any series. To be honest, I've not really thought that through, but you know, confused you should be, never mind. Uh, if you've not heard them, by the way, obviously go back in the feed, both truly excellent. Uh, we've got really good feedback on both of them, so we're really pleased that everybody seems to be enjoying it. The good news is there will now be an ep every week for the next couple of months. The bad news is there will not be news in this series read by the legend that is James Cook. Uh, basically, writing the news stories, making them weirder than the news we already have, honestly takes absolutely ages and there's only so many hours in the day. It might be back next series though, you never know. These stories and the books are literally based on the idea that stranger things have happened. So onto the story itself. I can tell you it's inspired by the world we live in, and in particular the alarming trend of people falling down conspiracy black holes. Now, don't get me wrong, I love a conspiracy. I have strong memories of working in IT in 1999, and being so fascinated with all of that end-of-the-world prediction stuff that, uh, as one of the company's two Y2K experts, I spent a lot of my time reading about weird cults in South America on forums. That wasn't actually part of the job, I should say. But the brilliant thing about being a Y2K expert is no one really knew what one of those was, so you could basically make it up for yourself. And more importantly, they just left you alone because they found it very hard to understand. As did I, by the way. Still don't really get it. So yes, while I find all that conspiracy stuff fascinating, I believe almost none of it. And crucially, I've never felt the urge to sell all my belongings, move to Dallas, and camp out waiting for either of the JFKs to come back. Barring anything else, I'm not much for camping. I just, I'm going to say it. I know it's going to be controversial. I like a nice toilet. I do. I just, I love a, I love a good toilet. My idea of roughing it is using supermarket owned brand toilet paper. I'm not, you know, going out into the thing. And besides, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I'm just not sure me taking a dump in a chemical toilet on the corner of Dee Dee Plaza is the kind of memorial John F. Kennedy deserves. It feels a little bit disrespectful. Daniel Wells probably likes nice toilet paper. Look, links are hard. Just go with it. That's this episode's narrator, the one, the only, Angela Barnes. She is a top-notch stand-up comedian, co-host of the Less Than Serious History podcast, a regular on Mock the Week, and most importantly, a woman who bloody loves a nuclear bunker. I mean that, by the way, in the fascinated by meaning of the word. She's not gone and married one. At least, uh, I hope she hasn't. Uh, she's already married and that'd be big of me. I mean, personally, I'm fine with people marrying buildings, motorways, combine harvests, all of that. All of which genuinely happens very regularly, by the way. But you do have to draw the line somewhere. And a bigamy involving a nuclear bunker and a very nice man who runs long marathons seems like a step too far. I'm not saying she's done that. I don't believe she has. It feels like I'm throwing quite a lot of heat in her direction now for absolutely no reason at all. Uh, <laughs> so this, this, I genuinely have a script for these. They just have a tendency to go off, off a little bit off beast. Uh, where was I? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Introduce the episode. That was it. Yeah. Anyway, Barnsley has genuinely done an absolutely cracking job with this. Love it to bits. And I think you're going to love it, too. So uh, without further ado, here is Angela Barnes reading Do the Research. Razor looked at his screen and shook his head. <laughs> Ballander 69 was such a noob. The idiot probably believed that man had really been to the moon. 
Mind you, some of the young guns you meet on these boards. Nothing would surprise him. Razor had been in a chat last week that descended into a flame war, an increasingly common occurrence since the schism. He dismissed the other guy as a tourist who didn't even know who JFK was. The guy had hit back that he'd been into him since his early demos. <laughs> Kids. He was about to get into it when the doorbell rang. Huh, lucky escape for Ballander 69. Razor would rip him a new one about how international banking really worked some other time. Right now, dinner was here and he was starving. He'd spent the entire day researching whether the foot and mouth supposed animal cull was actually an operation to stockpile meat stocks for the chosen few after the great reboot. It was all coming together. Everything was there if you dug deep enough. He pulled the cord to draw the curtain he'd installed to cover his charts. Security was paramount. He couldn't have civilians stumbling upon what he was working on. The deep state had eyes and ears everywhere. Razor needed to stay off the grid. It was the only way. As far as anyone else was concerned, he was just an ordinary dude living in a terraced house in Salford. And that was how he wanted it to stay. Be the unseen enemy. The doorbell rang again. All right, I'm coming said Razor, tightening the belt on his dressing gown. Do it faster, responded a female voice at the other side of the door. I haven't got all night and your pizza's getting cold. That was odd. The normal guy was well a guy to start. Razor looked through the spy hole in the door. A girl was standing there, long blonde hair but totally shaved on one side. A ring through her eyebrow and a streak of red through her hair added to her distinctly punk look. She was chewing gum with a ferocious intensity while glowering at the door. As if on cue, she held up a pizza box and pointed at it with a sarcastic smile. How the hell did she know he was looking? There was no way he could see that. Thanks, said Razor. Just leave it on a step. I can't do that. The normal guy does. The normal guy did a lot of things. That's why he got fired. Although some of them, to be honest, were not that normal. I'm not allowed to say, but you might want to check you aren't pregnant. What? Nothing, I'm joking. I have a very dry sense of humour. <laughs> Not everybody gets me. I also have a pizza and nobody gets that unless they open the door. I don't normally open the door. Cool, said the girl. On behalf of myself and the other drones trying to make a living in the zero hour contract minimum wage service industry, may I thank you for your big tipping ways. Still, in the 25 minute long unpaid training session I had before starting this gig tonight, they made it really clear we can't just dump the pizza. You've got five seconds to take it from me like a human being or I'm going to eat it while you watch. You've got a real attitude problem. <laughs> and yet my finishing school voted me most likely to succeed. Five. Hang on. I have been. Four. Part of Razor's brain was tempted to tell her exactly where she could go. However, a much larger part of his brain really wanted pizza. He began unlocking the four locks he had installed. He decided he'd give her a piece of his mind right after he got the food. Two, said the girl. What happened to three? It got bored and left. Can't say I blame it. Razor finished unlocking the door and went to open it. OK, give me the... He was interrupted by his own front door, smacking him straight in the face, propelled by a well-placed Doc Martin boot. He stepped backwards, stumbled and fell over the coffee table. When he looked up, the girl was in his house, closing the front door behind her. What the hell? shouted Razor. Yeah, said the girl, sounding infuriatingly calm. You shouldn't have opened the door. That was a good instinct you ignored there. Razor held his hand up to his face. You broke my nose. No, I didn't, you big baby. It's just bleeding a little. 
I'm going to ring the shop and complain about you. Seriously? She said with a smirk. You're part of an outlaw group fighting to open the eyes of the sheeple about the true nature of the global elite. Somebody kicks in your door and you still think they're from the local pizza place. Before she could stop him, Razor turned and threw himself under his desk. He reached a hand out in each direction, simultaneously hitting the two large red buttons that sat under either end of it. He looked up at the girl and smiled. I've just wiped clean every last one of my hard drives. She shrugged. Cool. She turned her head to take in the rest of the front room and looked into the open plan kitchen behind. Her face formed into a mask of disgust. Fingers crossed this is the start of the full-on cleaning blitz this whole place needs. She nodded pointedly at the pile of pizza boxes in the corner. You're going to other shops too. Wait until the guys at home base hear about this. They'll be so upset. I'm calling the police, said Razor. Interesting, replied the girl. I thought you'd be all... The cops are the pawns of the global fascist elite working for Bill Gates, blah, 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 blah. Who the hell are you? See? Now you're actually asking semi-sensible questions. That smack in the face did you a world of good. Besides, I'd imagine that raggedy beard you've got going there took most of the damage. You look like Tom Hanks in that castaway film, only, you know, sadder. Anyway, I'm Tina. What should I call you? People call me Razor. <laughs> She barked a laugh. Well, I'm not going to be able to do that with a straight face. Let's go with Brian. Seeing as it's the name your mum gave you. She says hello, by the way. Brian, Razor, narrowed his eyes. My mother is dead. Well, said Tina, that would certainly explain the smell. I think you should leave, said Brian as he started to stand. I feel you. I didn't even want to come here in the first place, but well... I got myself into some trouble. And let's just say this is like my community service. She flipped open the pizza box to reveal it was empty except for some crusts. Thanks for the pizza, by the way. Although seriously, cheese stuffed crust on a quattro formaggi. Come on, dude. That's less of an order and more of a cry for help. I don't want to hurt you, said Brian, pointing at the door, but I will if I have to. Tina nodded. Thank you for the information, Brian. I'll be honest, I don't think it's going to become an issue, but nevertheless, good to know. Take a seat. I don't want to. It was hard to say what confused him more. The fact that even as he was objecting to the very idea of sitting down, he did it, or that the chair from his workstation was suddenly behind him. He hadn't been there before. Then again, he had just been hit in the head, so perhaps he wasn't thinking straight. Yes, that must be it. So, as I was saying... Your mother, may she rest in peace, is not, in fact, resting in peace. Her spirit is highly agitated because she's worried about you. Oh, please. You've not seriously come here to peddle some ghost mumbo-jumbo, have you? Tina sighed. First off, you fuzzy-faced incel, I'm not here peddling anything. I'm here because I did the teeny tiniest bit of messing about with a traffic warden who was being rude and it was do this thing for Big John or end up in front of one of his meetings again. And second, she moved across and pulled the cord that revealed the wall of charts. You believe that there's a link between the Clintons, a mining company in Peru, UFOs and is that Philip Schofield from off the telly? I wouldn't expect someone like you to understand. Good said Tina, because I don't and have no interest at all in trying. Although with, she pointed at the board again, with, is that the comedian Harry Hill? That is need to know information. She leaned in. 
hmm, it's written below the picture, so now I know. So yeah, with Harry Hill as my witness, if at any point you speak the words, do the research, I will not be responsible for my actions. Brian said nothing, instead staring back at her in a way he hoped could be described as defiant. I'm here because your mother's spirit is bugging Mrs Shanyaski from three doors down, night and day, and she has had enough of it. Her downstairs is given a terrible trouble and she doesn't need any more stress right now. I appreciate you didn't want or need to know about Mrs S's downstairs issues, but neither did I. I just came from there. Honestly, I'm not sure if she meant downstairs in an architectural or biological sense, but some questions you just don't ask. I'm here, we're going to sort this out, and then we can both get on with our lives. She looked around again. Or at least whatever you're doing in lieu of having one. Right, said Brian. Well, let's just say for one second that I believe you, which I don't, how come my mum is bothering Mrs Shanyaski and not me? Tina didn't take her eyes off the board, seemingly transfixed by the lines of thread interconnecting the various pictures. Not to go all Bruce Willis on you, but Mrs S has a strong sixth sense. It's like any other sense, sight, smell. Some people are a lot more sensitive than others. Tina turned to Brian. Speaking of which, can you really not smell that? What? She waved a finger round. All of this. This place reeks of old socks, stale food, body odour and despair. You're really not getting that? No. Do your eyes work? asked Tina, looking round. I mean, seriously. If I photoshopped in a picture of a seal living in this squalor, you'd have Madonna protesting on your doorstep by morning. She pointed towards the desk. Has that jar got we in it? Of course not. It's Snapple. Drink it. I'm not thirsty right now. Look, said Tina, softening her tone considerably. How long has it been since your mother passed away? Two years. And it was always just you and her. Brian nodded. Tina looked around for somewhere to sit and then thought better of it. Do you think that maybe you're not dealing with it great? I'm doing fine. Brian, quick reality check. If I set fire to your house, I'd be done for burning rubbish in a suburban area. When was the last time you went outside? I've been very busy. Tina shook her head. Oh, come on, Brian, you're a young man. You have your whole life ahead of you. You're only, what, 37, 38? I'm 24. Wow, you really need to get some sunlight. Brian jabbed an angry finger at the pinboard. Look, this is important stuff. I don't expect you to understand. Is it, though? What are you, QAnon? No, said Brian, scoffing. <laughs> How dare you? Nothing like that. QAnon was just a false flag disinformation operation carried out by the deep state to hide what is really going on. It's all there if you... Brian stopped himself. Say it said Tina, her eyes narrowing. I dare you. Look into it, finished Brian. Tina puffed her cheeks out. <sighs> Look, dude, I get it. We all go through some stuff and it's easy to get sidetracked, but you need to get yourself back in the game. Do it for your mother, if not for yourself. Right, snapped Brian. Can we just skip to the bit where you give me the pamphlet about joining your church or whatever this is? You are one stubborn so-and-so, do you know that? Brian jabbed a finger at the pinboard again. This is vital, all right? You have no idea how the world really works, what kind of stuff is secretly going on behind the... Brian stopped talking. A jar of your own urine floating across the room in front of you will do that. He sat open-mouthed as it stopped 
stopped and hovered a couple of feet in front of him. Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? You're explaining how the world works. But, and by the by, it's not my area of expertise, but that's looking a little cloudy. You might want to get that checked out. How are you doing that? Asked Brian in a near whisper. What? Oh, that? The floating jar of cloudy pee-pee? <laughs> That's nothing. This, on the other hand... Brian watched dumbfounded as the pile of pizza boxes in the corner rose into the air and proceeded to dance around each other like low-rent UFOs. Brian had to duck as the jar of pee returned to its place on his desk. This is the kind of stuff you learn when you have way too much time on your hands. It's incredible, said Brian, unable to keep the awe from his voice. Here's the reality of how the world works, Brian, she said, as the eight pizza boxes continued their display. Most politicians are just power-hungry narcissists who weren't hugged enough as children. Rich people just want to get richer because it's how they keep score. The vast majority of the bad crap that happens is not part of some big evil plan, but just people not thinking about anything other than making a ton of easy, dirty cash. Life is terrifyingly random, and if you're wondering how the planet is still here, well, you're not the only one. The eight pizza boxes had now formed themselves into a big smiley face hanging in the air in front of him. Any questions? How? asked Brian. Oh, said Tina, clicking her fingers theatrically, causing the pizza boxes to pile themselves back up in the corner again. All of this? <laughs> well, Brian, there really is magic in the world. Wonders more than you can possibly imagine. And there actually is a battle going on between good and evil. She pointed at the pinboard behind her. But none of it involves the Clintons, Beyonce, 5G, the Rothschilds, Harry Hill or Philip Schofield. What is more, I guarantee you'll find none of it on your websites, chat forums or wherever else you are doing the research. She pointed at the front door. The only place you'll find out about it is out there. Are you a what? A witch? We don't use that word. It has a lot of negative connotations. Wizard, on the other hand, see the difference? There's your basic sexism. So no, we prefer practitioner. Also, people don't tend to burn practitioners at the stake. And there's lots of these practitioners. What can you do exactly? So ghosts are really real. What does that make UFOs? Which Tina raised her hand. I can see you've got a lot of questions and I'll answer all of them that I can. Cool. In exactly two months time when I'll meet you at the Kanki's Rest Pub at 8pm. What? By which time you'd have restarted your university course in, she looked at him pointedly, electronic engineering. Yes, that. You'll be dressing in clean clothes every day, leaving the house, having showered. You'll have dropped a good £10. This place will look fit for human habitation and, in the name of all that is good and holy, you pee in another jar in your life and I will stop you doing that permanently in a way you definitely won't like. Are we clear? I have to do all that before you'll tell me anything. No. You have to do all that to allow your poor mother to move on, safe in the knowledge she didn't raise the next Unabomber. Then I'll tell you a little of what I know. Brian ran his fingers through his hair. What am I supposed to do in the meantime? Do you mean other than cleaning? Yeah. Tina looked around again. I mean, I think that will take up most of the time. Please. Tina puffed her cheeks out and tapped her foot. Hmm. She clapped her hands together. I got it. She pulled a rolled up newspaper from her pocket and handed it to Brian. Here you go. He unfurled it. The Stranger Times. This is that weird paper full of all the lunatic stories. 
<laughs> People who live in bad X-Files reruns shouldn't throw stones, but yes, that's the one. He held it up and pointed at the headline. A dragon ate my pasty. You're telling me this is real? Oh no, most of it is nonsense. Most of it. Still, if you know what to look for. And how will I? You'll figure it out. You're a smart boy when you're not being an idiot. Besides, it has a cartoon strip that I always enjoy. Tina rubbed her hands together. Right, my work is done. She turned towards the door. Wait, nope, I'm making a dramatic exit. Please. The note of pleading in Brian's voice made Tina stop with her hand on the door handle. My mum, said Brian. Can you give her a message? Tell her I love her and I'm sorry. Tina looked at Brian for a long moment and then... She knows. And for what it's worth, the reason she can't move on is she clearly loves you too. Brian looked at the carpet and nodded, tears pushing at his eyes. Tina opened the door and waved. Later, Gator. Two months to be exact. Next time I see you, you better be wearing trousers. And with that, she slammed the door shut. Alone again. Brian looked around the room. He coughed to clear his throat. <clears> throat> OK, Mum. I guess I should get cleaning. He scratched at his beard. Where do we keep the sponges? Thank you for listening to the Stranger Times podcast. If you've enjoyed it, then please leave a rating wherever you get your pods. It really does help. And the Stranger Times novel by C.K. MacDonald is out and is available from all good bookshops and some bad ones. And check out strangertimes.com for more weird news and to sign up to the newsletter where you can also get yourself a sweet free ebook containing some Stranger Times short stories. This podcast is produced by Rob B at BEE, with Ed Wilson exec producing, and all materials are copyright McFory Inc. Limited. All of the short stories are written by me, CK McDonald, and the music is done by Alan McGuire with John McCullough as musical Sven Galley. Yeah.